Uh, welcome. We're here with uh, Tim Houck. And we're just going to kind of have a regular conversation. So first, Tim, thanks for showing up. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. No <laughs> idea where this is going, and hey. uh, it's going to be a good time. This is the good part. So let's start by talking about how you got in, uh, got into the business. What persuaded you to get into the business? When did you get into the business? And kind of uh, give me your backstory. April of 2006 is when I got started. Um, prior to that, military, um, went to college and uh, started doing mortgages. I actually did mortgages for about six months. And... I had a lot of friends that said, you know, you know, you get those, hey, man, you'd be really good in real estate. Yeah. And I'm like, with a grain of salt. And I'm like, okay, right. And uh, I tell this story often. And when I was in mortgages, there was a lot of inbound leads. Mm-hmm. And I never took lunch. So when everybody was to take lunch, I'd run up and down the, the, the hallway catching the phones. <laughs> and so me and a buddy of mine, you know, we, we hit it hard for about six months. And uh, decided to take lunch. Went to uh, Dempsey's, I'll never forget. Yeah. The gumbo and the seafood stuffed potato. And when I came back, the doors were locked. Company shut down, literally while I was at lunch. So the moral of the story is, never take lunch. <laughs> Don't go to lunch. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that was, uh, honestly, that was in 2005. And um, in 2005, early 2006. And so I came to Bob Brooks School of Real Estate. Yeah, he made it in. class with Bob for two full weeks. And uh, licensed in April 2006. That's crazy. So, what were some of the early struggles that you had? Uh, you know, it was it was a real estate's not. Oh six was not the best time. Oh six was not. It was good. Okay, but I didn't know. I had nothing to compare it against. Well, I had that's no a good idea. Point. All I know was after after military college was pretty easy. Yeah, and uh, I got in and started working. Another little story I love to tell. This one is. When I started, I was still working in the restaurants. I would work, and just people said, show up every day and treat it like a business. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's what I'll do. And uh, I worked eight to three at the office, yeah. and I would go work four to 12 at the restaurant. For 180 days, I worked seven days a week, no days off, for six months straight. Wow. In September ish, I looked up and had enough money to where I didn't have to wait tables ever again. But it was a really good segue. Yeah. Like meeting people, talking with people, dialoguing, understanding uh, relationships, and knowing how to manage time and things. It was, it was so. Some of the early struggles were it was getting moving from instant gratification, right. waiter, money, bartending, you know, money to something that had a delayed gratification. That's interesting. I always think about. I always say people in retail and, and, and people in the restaurant business to a large degree do well in real estate because they know they've dealt with every single personality. Mm-hmm. They know what irregular hours are and mm-hmm. they know what hard work is. So it's mm-hmm. it kind of make an easy transition. But I've never thought about it from the other side, like the instant gratification versus the delayed right. gratification. You leave with I, money. You go yeah. to work, you leave with money. Yeah. Here... What we do now shows up 30, 60, 90 days later, yeah. and it's uh, my my team is sick of hearing that statement, but it, it, it's 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 fine. So, what do you attribute that to? Like, what do you attribute? How did you make the transition? I mean, what do you? How do you think that you got here? I think that I showed up every day, and yeah. I did it, even when I I knew that if I talked to enough people, I would go on enough appointments. Yeah. I went on the appointments that some of those were going to convert, and I just simply followed that. I. I that's just what I did. I'm, yeah. I'm not very smart, but I know to show up every day. <laughs> and uh, I really think that that was, honestly, that I didn't give up. Yeah. I, I, I wanted it so bad. 
nothing was going to stand in my way. Yeah. And showing up, making it, making it happen, it was tough. Doing a Saturday open house, a Sunday open house, back to work on the restaurant. Right. Literally, for those six months, people thought I was literally insane. But I, were, love proving, but I love proving people wrong. Yeah. And I wasn't insane. Uh, here we are, 13 years later. Um, so so I, I, I like the concept of talking to people, leading to appointments, leading to sales. I guess from a more of an introverted person. Mm-hmm. When you say talking to people, how does how does that work? Do you know them? Do you not know them? What what do you consider, you know, talking to people as? Like For me, you, it's relationship building. Okay, it's just solidifying relationships. And what I started to realize early on was, if you're in relationship with someone and they feel comfortable, mm-hmm. and so there's the saying, right? People are going to work with who they know, who they trust, and who they like. Yeah. So if they know me, now I just have to get them to trust me. Right. And showing that I was working hard and I was research and learning as much as I possibly could about real estate. I'm, I still go, I spend more money on classes, books, and education still to this day than I do on almost marketing. Yeah. Which is absolutely insane when you look at my PL, but I think it's at the forefront is because I'm always learning. I'm always trying to, I'm, I don't think the journey ends. It's, it's ongoing as far mm-hmm. as education goes. And so, um, <clears throat> so, right. So I got to trust of, me. What type of education? Uh, seminars, I listen to podcasts, I buy books, I travel to, um, and a lot of uh, company specific stuff. I, I don't think enough people realize that some of the top producers or a lot of the top producers, as I travel the country, um, a month ago conference in Vegas, saw three top producers from this market right. and the, the ability to get education, to absorb education, not only in your market, but outside your market is interesting. So I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because it's something that, that I just happened to see in going to these various conferences, conventions, things like that. So, and they're not even, I would argue a lot of them may not be real estate related. They can be, they can be, but all, all of them are not. Some of them are leadership related. <clears throat> mm-hmm. We're on a different journey now and as far as where my business is, but it was always for me. I, I mean, my first one I put on a credit card. It was an investment, yeah, not an expense. And I looked at it, and I came home, and it was it was an investment, not an expense. And so it was an investment into my my education, my mindset. Yeah. And so you know, I did a lot of that. And so I knew that if I talked to enough people, got them to trust me, right? Now I'm look like I know what I'm doing, right? Uh, to a degree, and then it, 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 I just wanted them to like me just a little bit <laughs> enough to do a transaction with me, and you know, one and just and just rinse and repeat. It was taking care of people, doing the right thing, um, making sure my contracts were good to go. So I was always sponging off of people. I mean, people inside my brokers, outside people in this industry are willing to help you if you just pick up the phone or and ask. I remember early on asking Pat Pat Watt on the lunch, terrified. Yeah, I was terrified to call her after lunch, but I did. And she, it was the nicest experience. It's awesome. And, and y'all aren't at the same brokerage, aren't no. you? Just and she's a tribute that. to her too. I mean, she's. I've been in. I've been to places where she's getting up there and you know spilling her secrets and trying to make the the, the thing better. So it's it's really good that that people are willing to give back. So yeah. that was neat. It was it. I didn't so, realize that. And I like to return the favor. I mean, anytime you know, new people assume I'm too busy. Yeah. And but if somebody reaches out and I'll try to make the time, grab some coffee. Often for me, it's, yeah. Oh, hey, I'll meet you at seven thirty. We'll, I'll be happy to sit down and chat with you. And I just love those conversations. They're coming in with a fire in the belly. Yeah. And, want to do it and it, it, they're usually shocked to find out that it's just a good old-fashioned hard work yeah. 
not any secrets. I mean, start off with no money. I mean, you start off with no money, you got to figure out how to, how to get it. How to, how to get it, right? And it was just it was relationship building. And I'll say this. The people that call expired listings, call for sale by owners, 13 years, I've never called a for sale by owner. That's interesting. Or an expired listing. Wow. I gravitated to what I wanted to do when I wanted to be work talking with people that knew. And I'm not afraid to ask for business. Yeah. So sometimes it's just a personal chat. And sometimes it's like, hey, hey, you know, uh, Brent, this is a business call. And I'm just calling today and let you know that, you know, I've had a fantastic year, but I'm looking to do a little bit better, and I need the help of friends and family such as yourself. So would you do me a favor? Would you just please think of me next time you hear somebody that's in the market to buy or sell a home? Yeah. Could you do that for me? And that was it. That's it. Well, but could you do that for oh, me? Oh, of course I can. Help. People will help if you Come ask on, them. Come on, Tim. Yeah. But uh, people, you know, people will help if you ask them. And yeah. People are literally terrified yeah. to ask for business. And if you can't ask for business, how, how great... What is that person thinking of you if you're going to work for them? If you're not bulldogging for the business, and if they hire you, if you're, if you're, if you're, I mean, so. It makes sense. And, and, and I've often, you know, you think about how many people are in the real estate business in any market. And you think about the average person. How many real estate agents do you think they know? Uh, I'm, I'm straight guessing two, three. A lot. I mean, More than one. Sure, I I, <clears throat> I don't know what the numbers. Are. I would argue I've seen different statistics, but I'd probably argue the numbers somewhere between five and seven. Just the average person knows five and seven real estate agents. So, and this is and we I could talk all day about that. Yeah, let's go. So why do they register online on? Why are they on Zillow registering to talk with an agent that they don't know? Yeah, do they know them? Do they trust them? Do they like them? So one of those things is something's happening there. That's what piqued my interest. Is it's not the knowing, it's the trusting. Yeah. So. The fact that why do they choose the agent that they choose is why it, it, it fascinates me to try and figure out that piece. Like, you know five agents, so why do you choose the agent that you choose? Why is that? And, and part of it, it what, what's, I guess what frustrates me and, and in turn frustrates other folks, probably yourself, is it's a lot of times it's not the best agent, the most qualified agent. A lot of times it may be the the, the one that we see the soonest, right? Right. Um, whether it's, and I think marketing, communication, and all that stuff has a lot to do with it, is, is in turn just kind of going, okay, how can we continue to communicate with that? And that kind of leads back to the knowing and the trusting is, well, I know Tim. He called me a month ago and asked me for business. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of reaffirming different things like that. So I, I, it's, it's interesting to hear you say, they know you, and then they trust you. And I think that that's uh, without – I've never thought about it in, in that term, but I've tried to figure out the word, but that bridges the gap, the trust. Yes, it, it's the trust. When when I – and I'll tell you this, this was you – know, I just wanted everybody in 2006 to know that I was the hardest working son of a gun out there. Yeah. And if they give me the opportunity, I'd prove it. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, a fair bit of them did. 2006 was April to end of the year – you know, let's just say fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. You know, right out of college, not too, plus the, the you know the waiting money. Sure. Not a bad year. In two thousand seven, it was a six figure income. Yeah. And I, I thought I knew more than I did, <laughs> and I was not a student, that much of a student yet. Yeah. Two thousand eight happened, and you know, Hurricane Gustav, the market was bad. And I take this as a blessing. Hurricane Gustav came and left us without power in Baton Rouge. Right. And at the time, 
didn't know the markers to look for. I wasn't tracking appointments and conversations and, and right. written. And I wasn't looking at those things. And I felt so busy. I was losing my mind. I'm like, I am so busy, Brett. I am so busy. I can't handle this power outage. <laughs> and so I go to Lake Charles Laf- uh, Lafayette and spent a week there waiting for the utilities yeah. in the neighborhood to get cut back on. And we were there. realized I was not busy. I was doing busy work. And yeah. there is a difference. I was running around answering questions, doing things. It was, and uh, I bought uh, the the millionaire real estate agent. Yeah, uh, you know it's just one of the best. Read it several times. Books out there. I read it every year. Yeah, and I got. That'd be a pretty good practice. Just read it once a year because yeah. you're different. It's like the Bible. You're every time you pick it up, there's something that's going to speak to right. you. Right. And, and I'm not saying that that book is like the Bible. Yes. Only in the sense that I get it. You're at a different phase in your mm-hmm. life. At every every year, yeah. When you read that book. And so there's something that speaks to you a little bit. And um, I didn't have a, a, a database. Right. I had an Excel set spreadsheet, which is okay to use. But if you're not using the spreadsheet properly. And so I took the principles of that book and the CRM. And this is what happened. This is what prompted the CRM. I ran into three people in like a week who had said, oh, my sister just bought a house and I completely forgot the yeah. real estate. And so many real estate agents feel that it's your job as a consumer to remember. Right. It's actually the inverse. It's our job to remind them. And so what the book said was stay in front of people 33 times a year and you will win mind share. And yeah. they'll, they'll, they should remember even they think about real estate. Right. So that looks like it could be a number of things, but an email a month, a call a quarter, a visit a quarter, mm-hmm. and a monthly mailer. Well, when the market was bad, there was no money to do the mailer, so I had to use things of efficiency. And social media wasn't really yeah, big. Yeah, it wasn't yet. the biggest thing in the world, yeah. No, it was a little later that that came, but I did. I think I did utilize Facebook a little back then. But So it was mail, it was emails, phone calls, texting wasn't even that big. Right. Then, you know, so it was good old-fashioned stuff, visits, um, lunches and coffees and dropping by their house and checking on them and learning about their families and digging in and... And uh, building relationships. Yeah. And I, 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 honestly, in the last decade, I haven't done anything different. Yeah. Um, as an organization, we do have some lead generating sources and things of that nature. Yeah. To this day, I still walk in my office, uh, 7.30, kind of get prepped for the day, have my meetings, my calls. At 9 o'clock, I'll end my CRM, and I call all the people that it tells me to call. Yeah. And I write notes to the people that it tells me to write notes to. And I send mailers to the people that I send mailers to. So you've automated sort of the process of what you have to do. I will tell you that this whole video sort of necessitated by a call from him. And he typically <laughs> calls a couple times a year just to check on, see how the market is, what's going on. So legitimately, you reached out to me, said, hey, just want to see what's going on. We yeah. talked for about a half hour. I was like, hey, come on in. Let's do this. Yeah, so. I- yeah, so I'm a testament to us sitting here exactly what, what happened. So it was interesting. <clears throat> and I got a Bob Brooks shirt today. Oh, so. No problem. Hey. So I'm the winner. I'm the winner. <laughs> so. As long as you believe that, we're good. I'm, that's all I wanted. So how did you know um, when you, you wanted to grow? I mean, you, you, you have a team now, mm-hmm. and you didn't start that way. You started out by yourself several years working. Mm-hmm. At what point did you go, you know what, I kind of want to do this and how did you do it 2008 when you know things were i'm sure the world of real estate was real funky yeah i said in 2009 you know i don't i don't we don't give up on things very easily right i still i had a job offer um 
to go work with Dell and the one the military department. Okay. Six figure income in a city that I absolutely love. And I had one of my mentors tell me I was absolutely crazy if I took that job. And I was like, all right. And I, I said, okay, I'll give this one good year. And then after that, I'm, I'm a, so in 2009, which was a terrible market, Yeah. I went on more appointments with people who could not sell their homes um, because they were upside down and just no equity. They had to write a check. Right. But I made a fantastic, you know, year out of it. It was my best year to, to date at that time. And then uh, 2010 was a similar year. I went to a, a conference in February, and it was the conference was about leverage. Right. And at that time, I was starting to work so much that I didn't enjoy my life. Right. I couldn't be a workaholic. But back then, right, there was, I was building websites. So right. I had, like, work all day. I'd spend all night work building websites so I could try to generate some more leads. Correct. I'm pretty hungry. You know, I want more business. Yeah. And so I want to, you know, generate some, some buyer and seller yeah. families that want to buy homes. So, um but I went to the seminar on leverage, and I drove home, and I thought about it for a half hour. Right. And I didn't really have the income I thought to make a hire. But, again, they just said do it, so that's what I did. And I was like, I'm going to make a hire. So I picked up the phone. I called a buddy who had been laid off and who's an absolute success in this business today. Uh, <laughs> Trey Willard. Uh, good good yeah. friend of mine. And I said, hey, if you'll come work for me, uh, I'll do everything I can in my power to make you six figures your first in real estate. Uh, and he said, okay. And he did, and that was March. What a leap of faith, man. It was a leap of faith. Yeah. He had faith in me, and I had faith in him, and you know, it was March. In September, he got licensed. And from the time, from uh, I think it was September to September, we had achieved that goal. Wow. He got his license, and I mean, he's doing fantastic. Yeah. You know, he does... But he sat with me for years and watched me prospect. And yeah. You know what? And he 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 does such a good job of it still. His business is awesome. Yeah. And watching people grow and thrive in this business is super cool. That's that's neat. So that was it. It, it was just a leap a, of faith. Is hard. It was a leap of faith. But they say on this day they said when you make a hire, your business will grow by fifty fifty percent. And you know what it did. And so once I made that first hire, we got so busy, I had to make another hire, and then another hire. Yeah. And um, I'm typical. I'm following the models that are in the Millionaire Real Estate Agent book. I've been obsessed with that. So what do you look for in in your team members? Hungry, humble, um, strong work ethic. Yeah. Um, they need to be. If they're on my sales team, they need to be people. People. Yeah. They're gonna have a much more natural talent for spending lots of time talking yeah. with people and showing them homes. Um, I do love my introverted people a lot. I have very good dialogue with the introverted yeah. people. I like the organization. Um, sometimes they're a better fit in our operation side. Yeah. Sometimes they do really well on my sales team if, if should they desire right. to, to do so. It's, it's just a little bit more natural to spend hours a day calling people. Yeah. But if so, if they want it bad enough, they succeed. I have a couple of people that would be deemed introverts, and they're doing quite well. Yeah, yeah. it would terrify me if I like if you gave me a list of people else. But I'll pick up the phone and call you. But if you gave me a list and said I had to call three people, it would terrify me. Really? I don't. I, I don't know what it is about about that whole aspect. I have no problems talking to people, but the calling. But yeah, easy. In front of the camera. No problem. All the time. No problem. Unbelievable! Isn't that weird? I can't. I can't figure that out. So that it it just kind of it. it I've, I've 
tried to think, I've been thinking a lot about this this year, is about sort of the personality aspect of it. And just trying to figure out how do you mesh personality, like how does a team form? And, and it doesn't necessarily be a real estate team. It's, mm-hmm. you know, husband and wife, uh, mm-hmm. our business. You know, I'm, I'm big on fit in our business. And, mm-hmm. and I always say, you know, look, I can teach you what you need to know, but I need you to fit in our world. And uh, right. I was several years ago, I was talking to um, uh, a, friend, a friend of ours, mutual friend of ours, Doug, who's actually been uh, on this as well. And uh, he told me, I may have told this story uh, when he was with us, but he told me to give him one of those uh, disc profiles. And I, I, I believe that's all hocus pocus and, and all that stuff. Um, but in any event, I give three candidates the profile um, that I was looking to hire. <clears throat> and one of them didn't answer, so you're out. The other two came in. One was exactly like me. One was the exact opposite. For some reason, I hired the exact opposite. She's been a dream. She's been a dream. Like it's it's been it's worked so well, and I tell her that all the time. And I feel like, you know, yeah. Well, in my, she's in- she's been she's she's re you know just she was exactly what we needed at that time, and mm-hmm. to this day she she runs that office smooth. And it's just because for some reason she sort of is the yin of my yang, where I you know I'm right. I'm more of a hey let's go. I'll, I'll take it and dump it on her desk and move on to the next thing. And she's much more of a time out. Don't walk out of this office until you give me X, Y, and Z. Oh, I forgot. Oh, I, I forgot. Can. You know, you know, when I'm looking for an op- uh, someone that's on our operations team, yeah, they typically are the opposite. Of yeah. Me. And I dialogue with them very well. People like me, you know, I mean, high energy stuff or details or. Uh, yeah. Or now I'll credit some military, my attention to detail. I can, I can catch it. Yeah. I can catch it. Very quickly, um, but typically high energy, high personality people are really poor with detail. Yeah, and so when you have people that are really good with that, they make who are spot checking our contracts, checking, making sure the closings are going the way they need to go. Right. Contact and t- insurance and title and the appraiser and the lender and kind of make, getting all those details together. Uh, that's the semblance of a good team. And what I found is when it's four or five people, when yeah. it's smaller. You hire into personality, but as you start to grow, you have to hire to culture. Right. And so I had to really get clear on what what was what was the culture? What was the culture of the, the company I wanted to build? And so what is it? Uh, one, you got to be hungry. Yeah. Two, you got to be humble, and you got to love success. And you don't have to be a pe- people person to be in the organization, but um, sacrificing uh, a client's needs uh, for 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 your own is just not really tolerated. Right. It's it's a it's a I can love you, but I can love you from afar. And, right. Um, we we show up. We just we we believe in exceeding the expectations. And when you find people who kind of have all that stuff, it just works. That's cool. Yeah. And, and 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 you know when it's a mismatch very quickly. Yeah. And uh, we talk about it so much that it's just start to be our lifeblood. And if someone doesn't believe in that, they don't make it past the they don't really make it past the interview phase. Yeah. And we use the DISC assessment. Um, I don't mean a, to disparage the DISC oh, assessment, yeah. but I've taken every personality profile in the world, you know, with Myers-Briggs, I've taken the Merginetics, I've taken DISC, and it's it, it's all, it's fine. I just, that's not my, yeah. you know, and th- don't ever tell me, well, your personality says you won't like this, because that's what they all say, and I, I get it. But. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the one time I've used it, it works, which really kills my theory. It's irritating. <laughs> but, it does work. Yeah. But it's like your horoscope. 
you can look into that stuff. Yeah. Three ways a Sunday, and one of it's gonna yeah, it's gonna suit whatever narrative you may want. Sure. Whatever narrative you may may need to you want to see. So, what do you think? Uh, what do you think twenty nineteen holds from a real estate perspective? It's going to be a good year. You know, rates are in flux. Mm-hmm. They have dropped. Um, I think the cost of new construction is such that it's uh, unobtainable for a lot of people. Yeah. It's going to, be, going to be unobtainable for a lot of people. It's going to prop up our resale market. And I think it's going to be really good. I think we'll see rates. Uh, I talked to someone this morning that they kind of went back up. They raced the, over the weekend game. Right. Um, but they're going to hover somewhere in the low to mid fours, I think, for the year. Uh, it's going to be a good year. Next year and near beyond, I think, is when we'll start seeing what's. And listen, I'm not a doom and gloomer. Yeah. It will shift into a more inventory market more than six months. So that is considered a buyer's market. I think it's healthy. I mean, it it's the, it just, I think the shift, it, you look at Baton Rouge and how, how long, I mean, you could make an argument that they've probably been in, a, or we probably been in a, a, a low inventory seller's market since 05. I mean, it's 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 you know it's it's been there a long time. But there may be little pockets in between. But uh, I think I think you're right. I think there might be a little bit more healthy uh, healthy market coming. Oh yeah, it, it's a different conversation. It is a different conversation. And from all for all intents, Baton Rouge is a re- one of the most recession proof markets you mm-hmm. can be in. We never see any sexy stuff happening, right? It never it never swings one way wild right. one way or the other. And so when it does go down, it doesn't t- so even at eight when everybody was listening to the national media, did it get tough at nine and ten? Was it tougher? Yes, but there are people that need to buy and mm-hmm. people that need to sell, and those things are going to continue to happen. There's unfortunately going to be divorces. There's going to be relocation yeah. in and out. Um, people There's always going to be business. People are going to be getting married. They need a bigger home. Yeah, people and you know that's 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 the cycle of the business. Well, that's good. It'll be it'll be interesting to watch with the new construction though. So you think they're just it's going to be too expensive for a lot of people? With the tariffs and the cost of lumber just went up again. Yeah. When you're looking at neighborhoods that are teetering at 300s and 400, 350 a square foot, it's mind-boggling to think that that's what's happening here. But if you've ever looked at <clears throat> you've ever looked at the our over time the US the price increases. Sure. Any it, it puts. It puts yeah. along. It's had some up and some down. But you look at Canada. Canada has been a straight one, and it's teetered somewhere around three and a half, four percent. They say anything over four percent will come down. Like four percent, what uh, appreciation? Okay. And so when you look at Canada, though, it's much more aggressive. And their average sale price somewhere in the four hundreds. Yeah. We're still as a as a as a country somewhere in the mid. You know, and Baton Rouge is still in the mid two hundred. Yeah. But with new construction, I like to see what effect that's going to have, and it's just it seems. Unobtainable to uh, a first-time home buyer or any buyer. A lot of buyers. Well, I, and that's one of the things that I look at is is you start looking at the the average cost of the home versus the average income uh-huh. of the individual that lives in your area, and it's uh-huh. it's becoming. Uh-huh. We've seen this before. I, I don't know. We've seen, and and that's the part. That's the only sort of economic indicator that scares me. I mean, and I'm all for price appreciation, but I think likewise. I think you, and I don't know that it's going to happen in Baton Rouge because a lot of times, you know, when you take that average income, you look at it uh, in because in Baton Rouge is what eighty thousand or something average household income. I can't remember what it was seventy eight maybe. 
It's higher than I thought it would be. Really? It's higher than the national average. Um, I'll look that up and, and edit that in, hopefully. But, yeah, I um, see that. It's, it, it, I looked at I Interestingly enough, I'm, I looked it up like 10 days ago. So, um, you it, forgot already? Yeah, yeah. And that's because I remember looking at it and go, wow, that's a lot higher than I thought it would be. But I was looking at, at different cities and different things like that. But um, it does take into account renters and, and, mm. and uh, other individuals. But they're talking about household income. So the majority of Baton Rougeans are, are dual-income household or, or sure. different things like that. So sure. you kind of look oh, at yeah. that. But in any event, when you start looking at putting 5% and 10, when you get to 10%, when you take a 10% down payment, and you realize that the average price of the home in, in Baton Rouge is what, 180? Two, two, two fifteen. All right, two fifteen. No, gone. It's it's trended up. It's That's fine. Two fifteen. Um, again, looked that up ten days ago, but I'm pretty sure the average. It's either national average is one eighty. Um, okay. I, I'm getting my numbers, but you look at a ten percent down payment, and then the income that you need to have to afford that. Mm-hmm. That's what concerns me is I don't know that, that Americans in general have that kind of cash laying around to put that down payment down and qualify for that type of income. So it's it just it's, – it's interesting. It is interesting, and I'm all for it. Um, they have it, but they have it in the equity of their house. Right. And, and so if they lose the equity of their house, that's a whole, that's a whole different deal. But where does, where does it go from here? I mean, if we were saw, right. if we had a large, if our city were growing at a big enough pace where there was enough people moving in, yeah. things, I, I think it would be sustainable. I just don't think we've got, we have the growth to support it. So the people, the population. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I mean, when you're looking at a thousand apartments a year, I mean, how many apartments did they build last year? Was it a thousand units or fifteen hundred units, something? You know, so and it's not just LSU. I mean, you start looking at at, at going down Airline Highway, you're looking at Ascension. So mm-hmm. from from that standpoint, kind of looking looking at the, the the amount of apartments that come up that are looking that are <laughs> let's be honest being uh, being consumed. Right. So uh, that's an interesting point. Where are the people coming from? That's a very good question. They're building a lot of apartments. And so, you know, all those apartments were on LSU, too. What happens to all those condos that mm-hmm. were the families were written out? And it's, it's interesting. Huh. And they took away all the student housing across from, like, the Maravich Center. Right, right. Now, that's, now it's back. Yeah. Right? So they went they went. It's going to absorb, yeah. And now they're going away, and now it's, like, it's, coming, in, it's coming in again. We're in some interesting times. Yeah, the whole Gardier area was stu- originally student housing. Yeah, they, they went out. Yeah, and they pulled back in. Okay, started going out down Burbank, and now they're coming. Seems like they're coming back in. It, it's it's interesting to watch. I I I'm, I don't have a prediction for that. I just know there's too much, too many choices. I see families right now. Some uh, families that are coming to buy property around LSU, and they're right. like, for the first time, I feel they're like, wow, there's some really decent choices out there under 175 thousand to buy a three bedroom condo. Right. Or Whereas in years past, there weren't as many options because some a lot of the families are picking these. They're choosing not to. They're just going to rent, but their kids rent for a while. So, so yeah, okay. Because mm-hmm. for years it was, I got two kids, they're going to LSU, we're cheaper to buy than rent. The whole bright side mm-hmm. corridor oh, yeah. and just all over. I mean, and so those values. And they're still building. Oh, yeah. And those values are not. The parents that have called me to sell are not where they thought they would be. Yeah. 
The, the conversation to be had there, though, is this. While it may not, the value may have, your, your condo may not have increased in value, you were able to write off this interest. You were, what was your note compared to rent? Seriously. You have gained some equity through the cost, and so the price, even if you take a slight loss, was still a better financial decision. In the long run. In the long run than renting. How are they receiving that? Very well. Yeah. You know, once, you, once you're able to communicate that. Nobody likes to lose money, but in, in that instance, yeah. Mm-hmm. But if, I, if you could put all that information. Sure. Okay, this is your effective, what you paid on it after your tax break. and this and this. If you could put that into a little spreadsheet. Right. And, and, and show it, they did better. Yeah. And so that's the conversation. Cost of improvements and different things like that. So, yeah. So what's, uh, let's kind of switch. I could talk about the economics of it all day long, um, and maybe we should. So what do you see from from an agent standpoint? Uh, new agents, um, you know, again, there's a conversation to be had. Um, I, I heard it all last year. I haven't heard it nearly about this year, about the professionalism and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So what do you see from a, from a new agent perspective in, uh, in terms? If you had to talk to a new agent, if an agent called you to sit to lunch and said, mm-hmm. what do I need to know, what would you tell them? I would tell them, and I, this is the conversation I have with them, Buy the red book. The, you know. yeah. Here's what you need to do. You need to get educated as fast as you possibly can. You can study that contract yeah. 10 ways a Sunday, but until you've, I've done hundreds and, I mean, at this point, probably thousands, yeah. thousands of them. Let's just say we've been through that. And they're all different. Yeah. It is important that you understand that contract, but it's also understand that you need to return phone calls. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's important that you're a student of the industry, not just of the contracts. Right. And, and there's that professional goes a long way. There's a lot of deals, you know, the sellers who uh, want to buy, but there's not good dialogue between the agents. I get offers. Uh, for example, I had an agent contact me, a little upset. They didn't respond to their offer. We didn't. It went to a quarantine folder. Yeah. They sent it through some unknown program. Went to quarantine folder and um, no one saw it. Didn't get a call. Didn't get in text. I mean, right. There was no <clears> other <throat> communication, and would have loved the opportunity to work with them. In the interim, another offer came in, and, and that was fortunately for our, our seller the better the offer. Better, yeah. You know, it, but what if it not been the better offer? You know. So point being, they were a little upset, and I was like, "Listen, we, you know, I truly apologize, but we never received your offer. It didn't come through. There was no communication." And, you know, how does that buyer feel? Right. What is their interpretation of real estate agents at this point? You know? And so we have to protect what we have. The industry's changing, man. They, yeah. You know, there's there's some other players in the field trying to... So... Another theory that I've had is do you think the electronic, the, the efficiency of the transaction is causing a different set of hiccups as before? Mm-hmm. Fully. I firmly... I w- miss right handwritten contracts. Yeah. I, I really do, you know. And I'll be perfectly, I'll be perfectly clear. Received an offer, and I went through it with a client, and we had a conversation about some things in the contract. Uh-huh. As we're, and I was having a conversation about the money, but they were looking at other stuff. Yeah, and just it, it was glossed over that the refrigerator was remaining with the home. Right, and she was quite upset. She was quite upset, and rightfully so. And so I was on my phone driving. When she asked me the question, my my conversation went to the many, not to the to the particular. And it was all there. She reviewed each page. She right. initialed it, but she missed it. I didn't. I knew it was there, but we didn't have that conversation. 
And so do I feel that, yes. And, and listen, I'm going to make it right, okay? I'm going to make sure that... But see, this is my issue. For six months. It's been a good six months, maybe 10 to 12, where because I get the phone calls when a contract blows up or when one person's mad at another or something, and for some reason they think I can do something about it, which that's fine. I, I try and help out. But most of the time, what I see is just that. It's an electronic contract that's gone back and forth. Mm-hmm. We, we normally have a conversation. Something's missed, and the agent ends up eating it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it frustrates me to no end. I, and I understand your, your, your business practices to make it right. But what I, and I just think it's interesting that we're, so, we're trying to be so efficient mm-hmm. that in turn, to some degree, we're missing going back to it, the personalization of it. Mm-hmm. So I feel the world, I, I 100% agree. Yeah. I find I it's can, okay to disagree. I just, I, I just think it's an, no, I agree, but just I, in the co- in the calls that I've gotten mm-hmm. when a contract is, is, is somebody is asking for my advice and I'm going to give you my advice. I now ask the question, was it, was it mm-hmm. electronically delivered? Mm-hmm. And invariably, yes. I struggle to get clients into the office like I haven't in years past. Okay. There was a period of time after the market went south that for a listing appointment, I made my sellers come to the office. Yeah. Like, well, no, we, 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 you come to the office, you don't need to see your house. I'll come, we're going to see your home, but I I need you to come to the office and let's go through the market because I wanted them to see what I saw. Yeah. And when in a down market, Sellers really need your expertise and right. they're willing to do it. In this high-flying market, they feel not like so much. not so much. And, and so I've struggled to get clients in and, and, and getting them to come in to sign a contract. I had someone come in today, sign a contract in person. It's fantastic. So what do you do instead? We use Dot .loop. You yeah. know, we, we're sending it to them. We'll go over it on the phone. Yeah. A better practice may be, you know, and since we're talking about it, Maybe just need to break out the FaceTime. Yeah. I mean, hey, if they can talk on the phone, most people have an iPhone. Yeah. If you're going from a Samsung to an iPhone, it doesn't work. But could we do a face- Facebook Messenger? Or, yeah, could we do something like that? Where yeah. we're, we can see, we're looking at, do you see line one? Do you see line? We're going through it. Um, I wish the contract, um, also I wish that it had the possibility to have them somehow check off every line on the contract. Because we know they initial it. Yeah. But could they just check? Have it something where they could... It checked that they reviewed every single line on yeah. the contract because they tell me that they're going to do it. Yes, hey, look, I'm putting my kids to bed. I'm review the contract and I'll send, I'll send it back. <laughs> totally acceptable. Yeah. I, I've got three kids right now. Yeah, I can see I, in my mind. I'm like, hey, totally get it. Call me. Let me know. And you know, it comes back fired off. But now I go to, did they review every single yeah. line? And, and so there's got to be some culpability on both sides. And when I say I'm going to make it right. You know, I'm not. You know, I'm not saying I mean it. What I'm saying is. The potential was there that I should have somehow made it. I yeah. should have made it clear that that refrigerator was on there, and I want to do that. Um, well, what I want to do is I want to I want to I want to prevent the a the the putting the agent in that position, and that's kind of the the piece. And it's you know it, I just I, I get I get the sense that uh, that yeah, and again I don't know that I thought about I thought about it from a, a seller's perspective and the fact that it's easier on them too. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. But look, I mean, mm-hmm. I, well, I doc you sign contracts all the time. Me too. I mean, sign one this morning, and it's check, check, sign. Mm-hmm. We're out of here. You know, I do too. And if I missed it, I would think it's my fault. Mm-hmm. But I'm not the. If I were hiring a representative to make sure that sure, 
I, I can't say where my mind would go to that, but you know. We've 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 I have we've got to do a better job of this. No, I just yeah. I, it's just it's just a thought that I've had. It's a theory that I've had, and it's mm-hmm. good. I've talked to several people, and a lot of people have confirmed it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what the answer is because I don't. It's not going away um, because no. it's so efficient. Let's be honest. It's so and not only that, but I mean, I love the fact that you get date and time stamps. I mean, I love from a from yeah. a management standpoint, Absolutely. it makes things very clear. Very efficient, but again, I do think that 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 because it's efficient, maybe it's a re-education where we go. Wait a second, let's let's mm-hmm. take some time and go over this thing. And here's an offer, and you know maybe it's before the offer is presented. We go, okay, these are the things that you kind of need to pay attention to. It's this piece, and this. if this is important to you, you know, right. and you start looking at the contract, whether it's flood zones, whether it's uh, you know the the child predator, you know, registered sex offender. Whether it's the refrigerator, just say, "Hey, what's what's important?" These are the main chunks of it, right. and if there's anything you want to talk about, but I don't know. I just, I, I just, I think well, it's interesting. It is interesting, and you know, at the end of the day, the contract belongs essentially, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. If there's any modifications, it's the broker needs to be, yeah, and that I don't know that that conversation there's. Uh, look, the contracts between the broker. I think the broker is the ultimate responsibility. Um, but the but it, it's hard. I mean, I talk to brokers all the time, and it's it's they're in a, they're in an interesting position too. Oh, I mean, absolutely. can you expect one broker to review a thousand? Let's say you have one hundred and fifty agents in your organization, and they're writing. You know, how many contracts would you be reviewing a day? A lot. So. And there, uh, look, there are some brokers that actually do it. And, uh, and but it just, it, you know, I, I think there's a lot of this on the education piece too. Is is you know, I, I talk to who's who's responsible for education. Some people say it's whatever real estate commission. Some people say it's the board. Some people say it's the broker. You know, and 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 I feel that the conversation about the contracts is the same thing. Everybody feels like it's somebody else's responsibility. Well, to some degree, it's kind of all our responsibility, right? I mean, you, you said it yourself: is is to sit down with another agent, really help them with the transaction. Uh, you know, well, you've accepted that responsibility, whereas other agents may not. So I, I you know, I just I, yeah, I think it's that's interesting. I mean, here's here's another question. We had a board meeting you uh-huh. know, last month, and and there were some proposed changes about the contingency right. addendum, and we had a very healthy discussion. And on both sides of the yeah. equation, it was it was it was it was an amazing conversation. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. But the question came up: It's like, well, if we change this, how is every agent and the board get notified about this? How are they going to know how it's all changed? How's everybody going to have? Yeah, I, I don't. And I had to ponder. Well, that would does that fall to the does that fall to the board? They send out an email. So if you don't get the email, does it fall to the broker? Where who who catches that? And we would be back and for the proposed changes that are coming uh, on that contract. Will be much better shaped to protect you know all parties. We'll put, yeah. But how does it get disseminated? I mean, we get. I mean, you know, beginning of the year, I'm still getting contracts on the old, the old form. Yeah, yeah, the old form. I mean. Did that agent not know? Did the, is the broker not having it really available? They're know. trying to use the old stack before they get to the new stack, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and those are those are 
perpetually frustrating issues. I, I know for boards, the, from the communication and dissemination, uh, there was one board, I can't remember which one it is, but basically, you know, they'll send out a survey. Just disregard that. No big deal. Mm. <laughs> we get ambulances around this rolling road all the time. I wish I could live in a soundproof room, but I can't. <laughs> um, but we get, you know, the, the, the they talk about the communication piece, where yeah. they communicate via email, but to some degree, do those emails, because they send them, get... And you can look at it from a marketing standpoint, too. I mean, we, we send a, a emails, and it's it's the constant, am I sending too many? Am I not sending enough? But, you know, I want to give you information, but this one's going to be really important information. Mm-hmm. So how do I make this one different? Th- you know, this isn't the regular spam. This is really important stuff. So... When email first came out, it was very efficient. You was there was face to face phone call, mm-hmm. and then you had your email. Now it's text, email. You can get it through. An I have inter- four intra, email addresses. An intra, you know, company intra yeah. site. Then you got the board is mm-hmm. getting through. Did it go to the spam? I get so many. Did I delete it? Mm-hmm. It's inefficient. So do you market with email? Uh, I do. Yeah, I do. Does it work? Is it effective? Is it effective? It is effective. But I Isn't that interesting? Have, like, well, I, I look I know, how I consume my email, mm-hmm. and then I look at the statistics as it relates to our marketing email. Oh, wow, you know. Well, the thing is, a very successful newsletter for me yeah. has an eighteen percent open rate. Eighteen percent. Yeah. But I know that you're getting more than that. Yeah. Because I was in class one time, and I was in Lafayette, and they said one time, they're like, "Man." You send me too many emails. I just delete them. I never open them. And I go, I won. They're like, what are you talking about? I was like, because you knew that I sent you an email. Uh-huh. I was like, it, does, it doesn't show up in my open rate, but I won that you know that I sent you an email. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, you know, there's. I think there's some consistency to that. We don't. Um, we send one email a month. It's a newsletter. They can opt out. What's in it? Oh, uh, man. It's... Uh, Always something to do with some property, community yeah. events, what's going on with our team, maybe some statistics, things that we're doing differently. Awesome. Maybe something fun, like things to do in a festival schedule, just yeah. stuff we feel like people want to see. Um, how do you put that together? What's your process? Do you do it all? like? Yeah, so I have a little marketing team in-house, and we do it, and we go through MailChimp, and uh, we track the open rates yeah. and, and all this stuff. But, you know, the thing is... Um, in addition to I'm mailing, we're doing a mailer, so it's yeah. so twice a month. If they're not open to my email, they're getting something yeah. in a postcard, or and they get a phone call from me once a quarter. They get invited to our client event. Yeah, uh, we're on social. Your media. pie day, I love that. It's my favorite. I use it all the time in class. My favorite day. Talk about your pie day. Sorry. So on March, I just love creative stuff. Yeah, you know, on March 14th every year we do pie day. And that's three point, you know, one yeah. four. That's the circumference, you know, yeah. of a circle, and, and people just get the biggest kick out of it. But we we do we deliver pies to people that have done a deal with us that year or referred us business. Yeah. Here's the fun part. Now that we've getting a few years, people call I'm like, I didn't get my pie. You, did you do a deal with us or refer us a deal last year? And and I have people that specifically will make sure they send me a deal to get the pie. But we deliver it. Yeah. It, we show up to their work. They can't get to the work. We deliver it to the, drop it off on the doorstep. And we're on social media. And I don't tell people where I get the pies. But when I, they're A, amazing. And they're amazing. I'm just gonna go <laughs> they're just really good. And I've got the price now. Over the years, I've got the price down to like $6 yeah. per one because I'm buying so many. 
And uh, man, they just it, it just creates that. That's awesome. I so love it. People always send me pictures of apple pie and ice cream the night they get it. Yep. We're communicating, and it just creates that dialogue. Life is busy, and we, you know, we 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 appreciate the people who do business with us, and we just find ways to give back and have fun. And I think it's I think it's really good that you know we we do we do things during the holidays and to just cr- <laughs> kind of create something that's so different and so unique. I really think that's awesome. So. No, I've kept you long enough. I just I appreciate the conversation, man. Yeah. This was awesome. It's fun. All right, let's do it again. We could talk economics the entire time if you like. I will I'll do my come research with my numbers. That's right. I'll come with my numbers. You come with your numbers. Oh, I love numbers. All right, completely not my personality profile. It is not. No, it's not totally not right up my. It's totally right up my personality profile. That's bizarre. Well, man, thank you so much. Thanks again, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. Appreciate it.